Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And a wonderful, unofficial start to the summer. Can't beat the weather today. Boy, you know, yeah, uh, The as we all know, the economy here in Michigan's been pretty brutal uh, for some time now, but the weather's been spectacular. Yeah, I think Michigan gets bad mouth too much for its weather. I I. Personally, I think the weather's fantastic here pretty much from April 15th until Halloween. And we've even seen in recent years that it can even remain somewhat balmy all the way to Thanksgiving. Um, of course, you've got to deal with a little snow, yeah. but, hey, we don't have those tornadoes. We don't have hurricanes. I once saw a map that uh, Michigan is actually the safest state uh, to live in. No otherwise. earthquakes, no mud, mudslides, no, no uh, forest fires, locusts. All we have to deal with are dumb politicians. And uh, those are pretty much unavoidable anywhere you live. So, uh. And, of course, sports hysteria. But uh, the Red Wings, I think, once again sh- showed yesterday what an outstanding uh, organization they are. I continue to believe that the Red Wings, the Detroit Red Wings, are the best sports organization of the last 15 years, bar in none. In any sport. In any sport. And they don't get enough national recognition for the outstanding uh, job that they do as professionals. And I think that yesterday's game, just to briefly comment on it, was a demonstration of the professionalism of the Detroit Red Wings as compared to the roguish tactics of the Chicago Blackhawks and well, the Black immaturity. Are, I, I, immaturity is the word. Uh, coast, the coach had an outburst. Uh, Joel Quenville is a very passionate guy. But uh, I think that outburst really set the tone for his team, who proceeded to play down yeah. to that level. Um, but uh, when you consider that the Red Wings were missing two of the league's best players. Sure. Uh, Norris Trophy, five, six-time winner of the Norris Trophy, Nick Lidstrom. Best defenseman in hockey, period. Uh, for, you know, de- for years. I mean, he's not, your off- he's not your defensive defenseman, sort of like a pronger, but terms of the overall combination of what he can deliver out there. Yeah, uh, Pavel Datsuk. Uh, Second to none. Nominated for uh, the uh, most valuable player in the league. And good uh, to see the usual suspects, the, the, the sort of some of the unsung heroes, just step up 
and elevate their game. Hosa and, and uh, Philippa were, were outstanding. Johan Franzen did I it was his a smart move, too, usual. to uh, give Osgood the third period off. Yeah. Um, since the game was beginning to take on a sort of a chippy quality. Uh, well, tripping but, and his skates being extended out, yeah, and little and bumps, and that it was the lead nonsense. was far enough uh, that mm-hmm. uh, hey, what the heck? Let's just rest Osgood up here, and that sort of takes the uh, impetus to uh, hack and whack at the goalie away from Chicago. Because yeah. why hack and whack on the backup goalie? And it gets the backup some experience in case he's needed, because it's obviously going to be a Pittsburgh, uh, Detroit. Uh, Stanley Cup final, and, and I think that'll actually be a harder uh, team to beat this year than. Oh last. yeah, I think they've definitely improved, and Malkin and Crosby are obviously two of the best five players in the league. So, Detroit will have their hands full, but well, as they say in hockey, we'll see what we shall see. That's why we play the games. Yep, but it has been uh, very entertaining. Um, kind of a surreal week in my book with Cheney uh, giving a speech at the American Enterprise Institute that pretty much consisted of nothing but lies. I thought Keith Oberman did a fantastic job on his show. I think that was Thursday night with his special commentary about the lies and the arrogance of uh, Dick Cheney. Uh, I saw an outstanding movie uh, as part of the Memorial Day sort of Hollywood phasmagoria about war movies and whatnot called The 49th Parallel, which I highly recommend. Apparently it won an Academy Award, and I think it's directed by one of those legendary British uh, directors um, whose name escapes me at the moment. But anyway. Michael Powell, I think. I think Michael Powell, that's it. And um, at one point there was an outstanding line by... Uh, Leslie Howard, who apparently uh, died during World War II. His plane was shot down uh, returning from the Iberian coast, and uh, German intelligence believed that Churchill was on this plane. Um, So he met an untimely demise. Anyway, at one point, well, you must be Nazis, he said. It's the combination of stupidity and arrogance. (laughs) When, uh, it's a he, telltale sign. He was being uh, held at gunpoint in in a teepee up in the up in the Canadian. Uh, yeah, it's an espionage yeah. thriller. Uh, Takes place in Canada. In Canada, mm-hmm. right? Interesting, uh, interesting movie, and it has some great cameo appearances by uh, Laurence Olivier uh, yep. and Leslie Howard, who I just mentioned, and highly recommended. Uh, if if you get a chance to see that that movie because it's uh, sort of been uh, you know, you know, gathered out of a vault somewhere and is suddenly uh, being shown on Turner Movie Classics. Well, and, and to give Turner uh, Movies another little plug here, we talk about them a lot because, as you've noted, I think accurately um, in past weeks, that uh, the films that uh, host Robert Osborne is picking out of this vast uh, library of, of classic films really is highlighting the political problems and economic problems of today mm-hmm. uh, by showing these films from the 30s and 40s. And uh, later tonight, they're showing uh, one of Gary Cooper's finest movies, The Sergeant York Story. And that's a really interesting uh, heroic figure because he's about as atypical a hero as you'll ever find in military legend. And I think the film does a, a really good job of treating the problematic nature of the concept of hero and uh, his humble origins, mm-hmm. his Quaker background, uh, make it a really a profound observation on 
what is it to remove a guy from his world and to throw him into the teeth of war? Yeah. And uh, it's uh, it's well we're seeing great performance by Gary Cooper, of course. Yeah, one of those uh, consistently outstanding leading men. I he he never he always delivers in the movies in my book. Uh, sort of underrated. Uh, a little bit. Uh, High Noon, by the way, may be uh, one of the best two or three westerns ever because it's got uh, everything one could want. And it's a great political allegory, too. It's a political allegory, and, well, Gary Cooper is just one of those kind of typical, you know, he's the icon, uh, American, quiet, um, determined, and whatnot. And I like movies that... At some point, at, at, at one one point or another, shows some um, depth in terms of the themes, not just the special effects and the action movies that that Hollywood unfortunately is beleaguered with uh, in this uh, day and age. But yeah, Dick Cheney must be a Nazi. He uh, <laughs> combines arrogance and stupidity in profound quantities of each in so many ways, and he's, uh, he's also he, a big, big liar. Yeah, and. Uh, if you if you get a chance to check out the Keith Olbermann show from the 20th of uh, May, calling Dick Cheney out on virtually every statement he made in the speech, um, I, I think it's it's great, and uh, I think that uh, we'll just give him a brain damage award. Um, using phrases like the presumption of moral superiority in describing Obama or contrived indignation, a border on the bazaar and his uh, continuing claim that the uh, torture (laughs) policy somehow made us safer, and we have evidence to prove it, is... uh, Which we can't show. Which we can't show, (laughs) and, uh, you know, it's interesting how this speech, uh, you know, this sort of showdown on the 20th of, of, uh, of May contrasted with the continuing silliness about Nancy Pelosi and the calls for investigation. Mm. And um, I don't think anything's backing up any of the critics of of Nancy Pelosi. And it's bizarre. I just uh, highlighted, uh, I brought in a couple of cuttings from the Wall Street Journal um, because they used headlines after Leon Panetta, who's currently the CIA um, director, by the way, he served on the, I didn't know this, but I just finished the Bob Woodward book, uh, the, the most recent Bob Woodward book, and he served on the so-called Baker-Hamilton Iraq Study Group oh. as one of the Democrats. He, by the way, got his start in government. People may not know this because he was, of course, best known for being chief of staff with uh, Bill Clinton, but he actually got started in the Nixon administration. So he's one of those kind of... Professional Washington people knows how to work the system, and he's got his qualities. But there are headlines claiming that uh, Panetta Pelosi smackdown in their editorial section and CIA chief rebuts Pelosi on briefings is hardly the case. This is how misleading headlines are used by uh, the Wall Street Journal, for instance, to infer things that really aren't there. Um Panetta is a very careful gentleman. Cautious. Well, you have to be to have a career that yeah. long at, at this level. And his so-called smackdowns, and of course there's been a lot of sexism with Nancy Pelosi, apparently. She's being uh, compared to pussy galore. 
Paul Krugman made a note of that recently. And when we have a week in which a credit card relief bill uh, involving transparency has an amendment attached to it in which concealed weapons are being allowed into national parks, we are living in a surreal world. Or we have <laughs> congressmen opposing the closing down of Gitmo, um, Cheney... Uh, um, of course, spoke about that. Obama's trying to shut it down, but Congress isn't authorizing the money, and why on earth we need to spend $80 million shutting it down, or why he's got to have a specific plan, or this surreal notion that our maximum security prisons in America somehow allow the terrorists out on the streets. I mean, it's just surreal that we're, we, we have grown adults that are falling for this demagoguery and this well, stupidity. Bizarre kind of quasi-legal fiction that this, because it's off of U.S. shore, is somehow exempt from the normal course of legal yeah. uh, events. Well, as, as Obama's pointed out, there's already lots of terrorists in uh, American prisons in these maximum security Indeed. prisons. Um, so I don't get it. Uh, no one's ever escaped from these facilities. It's unbelievable. Um, and by the way, I'm in favor of arming bears with concealed credit cards <laughs> in the national parks. Maybe that can get our economy stimulated. I could be part of a new... Set up uh, various internet stations. They could do their Amazon shopping. Mr. Grizzly and Miss Moose from Alaska can order all kinds of things with those credit cards. Salmon. <laughs> Packed on ice delivered to me in Yellowstone, you know, that'd be great. But uh, we're, we're going to see what happens with the, with the concealed weapons thing, by the way. The, apparently the Interior Department has the final say on this issue. So it may be a sort of a... Uh, eh. Well, one can, of course, imagine what the National Rifle Association's uh, stance on the need for concealed weapons in a national park would be. Um, absurd... On its face, I mean, even the name of that organization no longer really has any bearing. Uh, they purport to be uh, an organization that stands up for the rights of sportsmen, mm -hmm. but sportsmen don't need semi-automatic weapons or armor-piercing uh, tipped ammunition. Uh, that organization is a, just a complete nutbag job. Uh, it, it goes beyond the rights of hunters, which you know most people don't have a problem with. Yeah, and I assume that our maximum security prisons are, are fully capable of keeping dangerous people locked up and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, I don't know, uh, Gitmo probably um, is, is kind of balmy down there compared to, well, you can just <laughs> give the place back, to, shut the, put the padlocks on the gate. Try the people that need to be tried. But anyway, back to Panetta briefly, because it's very interesting to actually look at what he said. Um, he did not smack down Nancy Pelosi. Um, what he did was he said, quote, CIA officers briefed truthfully on the interrogation of al-Qaeda operative Abu Z Z Zubedaya, uh, describing the enhanced techniques that had been employed. He also said, let me be clear, it's not our policy or practice to mislead Congress. That is against our laws and values. Now, this is just bureaucratic speakies here. This is not a smackdown. And what was said to Nancy Pelosi on the 4th of September of 2002 is, is sort of unknown, but it's been made quite clear that the CIA records have been inaccurate, 
incomplete and in contradiction of other intelligence people that were briefed on various things. Uh, Bob Graham has pointed out that three of the four briefings that they claim occurred did not occur, according to his diaries. Rockefeller's had some... Uh, uh, Jay Rockefeller of West Virginia, senator from West Virginia, has had some contradictions. He was the D Democrats' uh, ranking member on the intelligence committees after Bob Graham left uh, Congress. So it, it, it's just nonsense. Um, and Panetta, of course, said Congress needs to uh, figure out. Uh, but he basically openly said, yeah, if Congress needs to investigate this, that's their job. Um, Panetta, and I'm reading here from the Wall Street Journal's uh, weekend edition of two weeks ago by uh, Naftali uh, Ben-David and Siofan Gorman, and I may be mispronouncing the first name of that person. It's kind of an unusual name that I've never seen before. But anyway, uh, Mr. Panetta's email to CIA employees of the uh, Friday, uh, May 15th, basically, attributed Mrs. Pelosi, Ms. Pelosi's version of events to politics. So there is a long tradition in Washington of making political hay out of our business. But the political de uh, debates about interrogation reached a new decibel level yesterday when the, the CIA was accused of misleading Congress. This, of course, was Nancy Pelosi's um, statement in a press conference. And the record is clear. The CIA consistently misled Congress on virtually every aspect of what happened, including some aspects of 9-11. The 9-11 Commission even stated publicly that the CIA had, had misled their commission in terms of not turning over all the records. It's kind of a longstanding practice. Yeah. <laughs> and the idea that the CIA, you know, to these these... Republican senators that have gone on the on this tirade about um, Speaker Pelosi, that the CIA tells the truth is not supported by the historical record, I'm afraid. And uh, they're out on a limb, along with Dick Cheney. Well, yeah, and one wonders if, like, uh, cartoon characters of old, they uh, whip out their saw and uh, proceed to uh, saw that limb right off. Might be good for the general health of the tree to do that pruning. Um, well, of course, it's an ill wind that blows no one any good, and uh, some unusual uh, consequences of the economic downturn are perhaps unexpected, unanticipated, uh, but nonetheless interesting, and in some cases uh, offering uh, interesting possible scenarios for... Uh, alternative futures. Uh, for example, uh, recent statistics show that the uh, bad economy here in Michigan is driving down the accident rate. Um, not too surprising, of course. Uh, fewer drivers, fewer crashes. Uh, but just the numbers are fairly interesting. In 2008, there were 133,440 crashes that resulted in 35,928 injuries and 342 fatalities in southeastern Michigan alone. Uh, compared with 2007, injuries decreased 2.5%, and the number of fatalities fell more than 10.5%. Um, highway fatalities in general nationwide are dropping significant, significantly since last year. Uh, of course, one of the factors is uh, stronger uh, enforcement of seatbelt regulations, but also uh, people driving 
less people driving uh, in you know smaller or in groups carpooling and so forth uh, and that's good I think it points the way to uh, potential safer uh, future transport modes uh, light rail commuter rail uh, would decrease those numbers even further uh, this one's a, a little bizarre according to uh, Kate McKenzie uh, writing from London the Financial Times the use of electricity is facing its first decline worldwide since 1945. Uh, with uh, the one exception of India, every other country is experiencing a uh, decrease in uh, electricity usage rates and uh, the need for electricity. She, uh, she writes, global electricity consumption will fall this year for the first time since 1945, uh, according to a dramatic portrait of the effects of the slowdown in developed and emerging economies. Three quarters of the global decline in consumption is accounted for by the industrial rather than household demand. Um, oil demand has declined in the past due to oil price shocks, financial crises, but electricity consumption has never decreased. Um, world electricity demand grew by almost a quarter between 2000 and 2006, and that's kind of staggering. In 2007, it rose 4.7 percent and uh, grew by a smaller percentage, 2.5 in 2008. And uh, this year, uh, it stands to decline, actually, for the first time since the war. <laughs> Probably ever, if you think about it. Um, yeah, you know, and it's interesting because obviously creating electricity on the power grid with these alternative uh, energy concepts, wind, uh, solar, and whatnot, one would think would, would lead to some decline in uh, electrical use. The main problem, of course, is that uh, the United States continues to be a country that predominantly uses fossil fuel to mm -hmm. generate uh, electricity. And if we're going to, to go to electric cars, uh, and there are advantages to that, uh, obviously emissions and whatnot, you have to... Look at the cost-benefit analysis. Okay, then we need to create more electricity. Well, that, in theory, means we burn more coal and natural gas, uh, barring an explosion of renewable alternative energy, which is hopefully the way we're going to go. And uh, I think that Granholm and Obama, while they've had some... There's some rumors that she may be a Supreme Court nominee. I kind of doubt that, but that's supposedly going to be the big story this upcoming week. Leaked uh, stories indicate that there may even be an announcement tomorrow um, regarding with the uh, departure of Souter. With the departure of Souter, um, I suspect it will be a Hispanic um, justice, sitting justice rather than Granholm. But mm. Granholm is an interesting possibility. But at least Granholm and Obama on the green jobs concept have had the right vision. Uh, of course, getting the Titanic turned around in America is part of the problem. And we've seen in recent weeks how even a simple act like closing Gitmo, which actually should be called Git Less because it hasn't done America any good. And even George Bush, uh, late in his presidency, realized that it was time to close it down. Well, that is startling because uh, that man realized uh, damn near next to nothing. <laughs> yeah, and that, of course, is the theme of the Woodward book, the weakest of that trilogy, by the way, unfortunately, but still a couple of interesting insights.
uh, regarding the debate within the uh, administration uh, with respect to the surge and policy on Iraq and whatnot. We'll talk about more of that in a couple of weeks. But more brain damage awards uh, to go out to uh, the the right-wing pundits that are trying to continue to exploit this uh, Gitmo business, uh, the idea that this is a wedge issue. By the way, the votes on, on, on that last week were 90 to 6 against funds to close Gitmo because Obama doesn't have a plan. <laughs> he pointed out that there was no plan about the post-war uh, Iraq situation that was ever given to Congress, for instance. Um, but this is bizarre. Um, and I failed to bring in the beginning of this article, so I don't know who wrote this. I'll see if I can find it here in a second. But it uh, reports that Ed Gillespie, who was an advisor to Mr. Bush, and Whit Ayers, a Republican pollster, distributed a survey in April indicating strong support for the idea of keeping, quote, people who would kill Americans at Gitmo. Cable news talk uh, and uh, talk radio shows seized on the relocation of prisoners as an urgent threat. These are the worst of the worst, Mr. Hannity of Fox News warned. We seem to be letting our guard down again. Well, Hannity ought to know about the worst of the worst. Well, he's the dumbest of the dumb in my book. Um, and Dick Cheney, for the record, in that speech that he gave last week at the AIE, claimed that waterboarding was not torture. Uh, it's just bizarre. We've prosecuted people o over this. Uh, oh, it's just an old family fun uh, game session. Uh, and as I pointed, Cheney yeah, and as I pointed out last week, it's a clear violation of federal law and international law. There, there, there are the United States signed the Geneva uh, conventions on this sort of nonsense. John Yu, a former Bush administration lawyer and architect of the detainee policy, speaking on Fox News, said, Nobody wants to have a detention center for terrorists in their backyard. Including Cuba. <laughs> and Rush Limbaugh released a new edition of the Guantanamo Bay t-shirts with a new past tense subtitle, Club Gitmo, When America Was Safe. This is oh boy funny, if it weren't so <laughs> stupid and misleading. And it just continues to amaze me that uh, this country can fall for this nonsense. Well, yeah, I mean, what can you say about people who uh, subscribe to uh, Rush Limbaugh's worldview? I mean, uh, they're not really interested in facts. They're interested in easy answers yeah. and in, you know sort of mindless platitudes and and apparently uh t-shirts well with uh, false information i'd like to see dick cheney in one of those He'd fill it out nicely i think yeah provided he was in gitmo sporting it <laughs> that would keep america safer i got waterboarded at gitmo and all i got was this stupid t-shirt incredible uh i have an interesting old item that i Wanted to bring to everyone's attention. And this is Trillions in Profit, Zero in Taxes, uh, courtesy of the Associated Press from last August. Um, I, I kept this clipping, and somehow it fell out of my folder, but I wanted to read this because this is interesting. Two-thirds of U.S. corporations paid no federal taxes between 1998 and 2005, according to a new report 
from Congress. This is the GAO, which is the investigative arm. It says about 68% of foreign companies doing business in the U.S. avoided corporate taxes over the same period. An outside expert uh, at the Libertarian Cato Institute, and I have a lot of problems with some of their rhetoric on television regarding, you know, the the Obama economic uh, policies, said that increasing numbers of limited liability corporations called S-corporations pay taxes under individual tax codes. So, quote, half of all U.S. business income in the U.S. now ends up going through individual tax codes, according to Edwards. The GAO report said that more than 38,000 foreign corporations had no tax liability in 2005, and 1.2 million U.S. companies paid no income tax, the GAO said. Combined, the companies had $2.5 trillion in sales, and about 25% of all U.S. corporations not paying corporate taxes were considered large corporations, meaning that they had at least 250 assets, $250 million in assets or $50 million in receipts. So it's interesting because Carl Levin and Byron Dorgan have been investigating this. This explains why individual tax rates, by the way, have been going up if people believe that your state and local taxes are going up, because they are, because corporations are paying less and less. And we've seen over the his- history of the... Uh, basically, the the uh, you know the way income was has been redistributed. It's quite interesting how median and the highest 1.01% of family income was a very steady line until, guess what, Ronald Reagan came into power. (laughs) And then, boom, median income, family income was basically a steadily, slightly, you know, increased uh, slope intercept. The highest 0.01% saw their uh, benefits just absolutely skyrocket. And uh, this, of course, continues to be part of this redistributing wealth debate that we keep hearing uh, in criticizing Obama and and his desire to increase yeah, attacking individual the, tax rates by 3%. Right, and attacking meager reforms, very modest reforms as some sort of rabid socialism when clearly the, the redistribution of wealth has been going on. Uh, with the Republican agenda. Um, Which, by the year. way, the, the RNC tried to actually pass a, a resolution last week calling the Democrats, the the social, the social, socialist Democrats of America, rename the party. Um, well, back when America was safe, <laughs> we had fantasy. We had fantasy. And it I looks guess, like... Uh, We'll be uh, wrapping the program up here. Cherry uh, Mac is here. Yeah, we have a little discrepancy between our time here and, of course, the time on the wall behind our reliable engineer, Andrew. So we are out of time. Do stay tuned. Uh, Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor. And more about Liberty University next week, a staggering example of... Fascism, I guess. Well, and also Patriot missiles in Poland. (laughs) (laughs) Just stupidity. Anyway, Yazoo City Calling, right now. That's Tampa Red in the background telling you it's time for Yazoo City Calling here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jerry Mack, your host this evening for an hour-long excursion into the land of Delta Blues and early urban blues.